entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good for this long, this hood. Or this pop, this hot, or this strong. With so many different flows, this one's for this song. The next one, I'm Aha, yeah. This one will get bit up. TBD, back in the building. How you guys doing this week? I know it's been a little bit. Uh, just me on the pod this week. Uh, Yates is a little preoccupied, so doing this John Solo Dolo. <clears throat> so I was hoping to come on this pod this week and uh, be in a very good mood, but unfortunately, uh, my Sixers lost last night. Um. It was a it was a difficult loss to watch, especially because my team was up by at least 20 points at one point in this game. And for them to still figure out a way to lose this game was disheartening. Uh, the reason why it was probably so difficult to watch and 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 the reason why we lost was that Embiid struggled heavily in the second half. Excuse me, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, 0 for 12 in the fourth quarter, uh, 0 for 12 in the second half as a whole. And beat only had eight free throws the whole game. This team, especially in the playoffs, has only gone as far as Joel Embiid. You, you think about when he left that first game, when we found out that he tore his meniscus, we lose that game against Washington. And I know after that game, we find a way to win without him and, and close out that series against Washington. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, when it matters, this team needs Joel Embiid to be who Joel Embiid is. And Doc Rivers coached the game that way as well. If you look back in the game and really watch it, you can tell that, one, Doc was still trying to run through Embiid, which, I mean, at, at the same time, we can't fault Doc for doing that because it's, it's, it's what's worked throughout this whole playoffs. It's what, what's worked throughout this whole season. But I think Doc uh, made a bad decision in this in this moment right here to – forced the ball to Joel Embiid when he clearly was hampered and, and, and that, it, uh, that meniscus was clearly affecting him. So that, that was the biggest issue for me was seeing Doc Rivers uh, coaching this situation and, and kind of force the ball to Joel Embiid when he, he didn't even have to because he had a guy in, in Seth Curry who was playing very well. I mean, he was the only starter who was in plus territory. Uh, he was a plus four for the game. Um, and Steph Curry ha had, a, had a solid game. You know, he had, uh, you know, 17 points and he was seven for 10 shooting, three for six from the three-point uh, line. You know, Steph Curry was the hot hand. And for some reason, you know, he, he kind of moved away from, from Seth and, and, and wanted to go back to Joel, uh, which was always, you know, the game plan was all well and good. And, and I mean, Doc tried to attribute this loss to his team not playing hard. I mean, at times I definitely could see that. But I think, I think in this situation, Doc has to take a little bit of ownership and say, hey, I don't think I put my guys in the best best situation because I don't think he was reading the floor out there. It was clear Joel was hampered. I mean, Joel in the second half, 
I mean, right before the second half, I should say, went back into the locker room. Uh, he had some issues. Nobody knows what those issues were. He didn't even talk about them in his post-game presser. Uh but it seemed like something was there. Something was going on. Elton Brand even went back into the locker room to make sure Joel was okay. And they all came out uh, and Joel obviously finished the game, but he just did not look like he has these past few games. And it's been troubling to see. I think also this Sixers team missed Danny Green's defense. Yeah, Danny Green doesn't make shots. We know that, at least consistently. We know that. he, he He's very streaky. That's what he's become now. This is... This is who Danny Green is um, in his career. But at the same time, I think they miss him defensively, you know, playing on Herder, playing on, you know, Korkmaz trying to trail Herder uh, every single time. Uh, Seth Curry trying to guard Bogdanovich and, and, and Herder at the same time, like getting caught in these sticky situations. They miss Danny Green's defense and they definitely miss Danny Green's rebounding because Danny Green also rebounds the ball um, at a decent rate for this team. Um, but another blunder for this Sixers team, especially uh, was uh, was one of the catalysts for why they lost this game, was that no one on the bench was in double-digit scoring. You know, Matisse Thibel, Shake Milton, none of those guys, Tyrese Maxey, none of those guys were in double-digit scoring, and that's a big hindrance for this team. This team needs, if you look at almost every single game in this series where the Sixers win, they have a bench scorer in double digit, uh, who, who, who's a double digit scorer. And the mere fact that we didn't have that, it, it hurt us. It, the Sixers lost this game in the third quarter. You can't, you, you, you can't play the way that the Sixers in the third quarter. You can't have an 11 point differential third, third quarter where you score 20 points and the other team scores 31. That can't happen. And you outscored them each and every quarter before that, that can't happen. I mean, granted, you know, fourth quarter comes, they make it close, and they almost win. But these are the type of games where you have to insert your will, especially when you got a guy in Joel Embiid who's hurt. The mere fact that you couldn't figure out a way to win this game and now are forcing your MVP, should have been MVP caliber player to to play more games to play more minutes when he could be trying to rest up for this series especially when you have bought uh when you have brooklyn and the bucks here is definitely going to seven games now with all the injuries that brooklyn has you're doing a disservice to your players that was a must must win for the sixers right there it was a must win for atlanta you saw them scrapping and clawing they didn't even shoot well and they still were able to figure out a way to win that's going to give them so much confidence going down the road the Sixers better hope that on Wednesday they can put this team away because it's getting very ugly and and, and they need to do something Doc Rivers needs to make some adjustments if he sees Joel is not hitting I'm not saying totally abandon him but ride the hot hand if Seth Curry's hot Ride him till the wheels fall off. If Tobias Harris is hot, ride him till the wheels go off. He did it game one versus, versus the Wizards when Tobias Harris was going crazy. Ride the hot hand, Doc. Ride the hot hand. So many playoff matchups are going on right now. Um, and I think the Sun Series is the only series that – they're already solidified in their conference final. They swept the Nuggets easily. Uh, we're going to talk about 
that situation and in Jokic and being MVP and him being uh, ejected. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I do want to talk about the other two two series that that happened last night. The Clippers Jazz was a great game. Um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both thirty one points each, combining for sixty two. You know, pandemic P. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen him these past few games, man. I don't know who pandemic P is. I know who playoff P. Playoff P might be back. Did Paul George listen to all of us trolling him and, and making fun of him? And uh, is he is he now, you know, understanding what it means to be a playoff star? Is that is that is that what's going on here? I don't know. He's playing solidly these last few games. He's giving this Clippers team what they need. It's getting it's getting really interesting. But if you really look at the, that game last night, the Clippers won this game in that first quarter. 30 to 13 after the first quarter. That's a monstrous first quarter. That's how you start off the game. That's how you impose your will. Kawhi Leonard is insane. He's a special player. But the mere fact that he's also getting help from, from Paul George, this is what we all expected. This is all, this is everything that we asked for. This is everything that we that we thought was going to happen when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard came together with the Clippers. Dominant performances and carrying this Clippers team deep into the playoffs. This is what we this is what we were expecting right here. The Clippers went on, you know, for for an insane run. Uh, they didn't. They only lost one quarter, which was no, sorry, they they didn't lose a whole quarter, the whole game. Didn't lose a quarter. That's 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 winning basketball right there. Winning basketball. You beat it. You you go up on a team thirty to thirteen in the first quarter. That's demoralizing. But I mean, you can't also negate the fact that this Jazz team didn't get any help from their friends. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell had thirty-seven, but they didn't have any bench scoring. None of their bench. It was very similar to the Sixers. Didn't have anybody scoring off their bench. Nobody in double figures. Jordan Clarkson shot horrendous. Three for twelve on the game. Only eight points. He was a minus 16. It was a rough game. A immensely rough game for the Clippers. I mean, for the Jazz. And their bench. Bogdanovich still had 18. Joe Ingles had 19. I mean, solid numbers, but you maybe needed a little bit more. O'Neal only had eight points. It's rough. Joe Ingles was the only starter in plus territory, plus four. And the Clippers won this game handily. But, I mean, this is going to be an interesting series. I mean, I also understand, look, Donovan Mitchell scored 37 points um, and shot nine for 26 from the field. He didn't have a great shooting night, but he still was able to score a decent amount. Um, but this is going to be a tough series for him and that ankle and and and, and – and it didn't seem like it really hindered him too much, but it clearly wasn't enough for them to win. I don't know what needs to happen there. It's an interesting series. I, I, it's very flip-floppy for me, man. It, it really is. And it's like I like Donovan Mitchell as a player, but it's like, does he have enough? And I like Joe Ingles, and I like Bogdanovich, but it's like they go missing at times. And it's not like they went missing last night. 
but they did go missing. It's like you didn't give them enough, but it's also, you know, you can't let the Clippers have that big of a destiny. You can't, you can't go dry like that in that first quarter, 13 points in a quarter. That's rough to start off a playoff game on the road. That ain't it. That ain't it, man. That ain't it. You can't do that. You can't do that. And you you can't put yourself behind the eight ball that much and expect to come out and win on the road. Um, It's a rough starting point. It really is. But you know what was really nice for the Clippers? And I think what also gave them a big lift in this game was Marcus Morris, Philly product, shout out to them. Um, You know, him stepping up for this Clippers team, 24 points, 6 for 11 shooting. I think Marcus Morris has been the missing piece for this Clippers team, to be honest. He, he, he's been the biggest liability for them. He hasn't been consistent for them in the playoffs. He, he really, he's been immensely inefficient. And they've needed him time and time again. And I think that's why they've had a lot of struggles is because, yeah, we like to harp on Paul George, but Paul George normally scores a decent amount for the most part. I get it. He doesn't score late in games and he has a lot of turnovers and he's not really efficient at times. I get it. I get it. I get it. But Marcus Morris has not done this Clippers team any favors. And, and, and Marcus Morris is the, is the reason why they felt okay trading for Rondo and, and letting Lou Williams walk. I mean, not, not letting Lou Williams walk, but trading Lou Williams to, to the Hawks. Marcus Morris is that reason. They felt like Marcus Morris and Batoon and those guys, they could, they could, they could carry the scoring. Now, you know, you're, you're going to get what you're going to get from Batoon. It isn't you know you can't really expect too much from him he's he's an old guy and i you know marcus morris isn't young either but still he's got juice left and the way he was playing in the regular season until now is completely different but that 24 points last night really aided in this clippers win and 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 they needed it they needed it they they needed somebody to step up with this with this team because we talk about it all the time right you talk about championship teams you talk about teams that go deep into the playoffs they have three guys. And then when you talk about that Bucks team, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they need you need a third guy to, to be effective. Um, and this Clippers, this Clippers team, they at some point they need they need a third guy. Last game, uh, before this this Clippers game last night, it was it was Jackson. You know, he 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 was the guy. He was the guy that stepped up and was able to play well. But this 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 game, it was Marquise Morris. Reggie Jackson was the guy two games ago. This game was Marquise Morris. Look, they don't even need it to be one guy consistently. As long as one of those guys shows up, this Clippers team may be okay. But it would be very disheartening to see this Utah Jazz team fall short of going to the conference finals and seeing arguably the two best teams in the West Face off. I think that's what we all want to see. We all want to see the Jazz, who are the best team in the conference this year in the West, and the Suns, the second best team. I mean, the order really doesn't matter. They're the two best teams in the conference easily this year, Utah Jazz and and the Phoenix Suns. This is what we want to see. Now, if we got Clippers and Suns, would that be bad? 
Maybe. No, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. It probably wouldn't be that bad. Because you still got Kawhi. You still got Paul George. I mean, Paul George does it. For, I mean, Paul George kind of still does it for me. I like seeing Paul George play. I mean, Paul George is just a star. I don't think he's a superstar. I think we we have come to that determination. He's he's more of a Chris Middleton than a Harden. For being honest. But speaking of Chris Middleton and the Bucks and the Nets, what a crazy game situation we had just a few days ago. Where did all these injuries come from? Like, I know we're playing on a very short season. That turnaround was crazy. But sheesh. Harden's already, already had his hamstring issues. They flared up for the, for the Brooklyn Nets early in this series. It was a struggle for them. All right, okay, cool. Katie, Kyrie, let's see what happens. Then Kyrie goes down, twists his ankle inadvertently. We'll get to that in a second. And now it's just KD. And it's like, we already know you, you can't win with one guy. They're trying to win a championship with Landry Shamit, Claxton, Johnson. Jeff Green, Bryce Brown, old-ass Blake Griffin. Come on, come on. They can't do that with that. But Blake Griffin last game, he, he played 25 minutes. You want to know how many points he got you? Eight. Katie played 42 minutes. Shot one for eight from the three-point line. Nine for 25 from the field. And scored 28 points. Yeah, yeah, that great stretch in the second half, of the third quarter. Scoring, I think it was like 15 points. But he, he didn't have a good shooting night. He didn't have a good shooting night. Joe Harris. He didn't have a good shooting night. Eight points, Joe Harris? Where has he been? He's going ghost. Is he Danny Phantom? His next team is looking real shaky. And now there's talk this game. Look, this game is coming up on uh, on Tuesday night. And uh, there's reports that Harden is probably going to play. And I'm real skeptical of this. I don't know if you do this here. And I know you're trying to, you, you know, you're trying to do anything you can to, to, to win a game, to, to take the lead in the series. But I don't know if forcing... James Harden into action off of hamstring issues is the right is the right move at all. I, I I really don't believe that that's correct. Hamstring injuries are the worst injuries to deal with. They fluctuate. They they can flare up at any time. They're constantly nagging. It's rough. It's difficult. Trust me, I know, especially this, this, hamstring injuries are a regular occurrence 
in the track and field world. I know this firsthand. So hard for you to recover from a hamstring injury because you always use your hamstring, whether you're getting out of bed or you're playing in the East semifinals. <laughs> you're using your hamstring constantly. That's what makes it so hard for it to heal. So if I were the Brooklyn Nets, I would be very, very cautious about throwing James Harden into this type of situation. Because what if you throw him into the situation? Let's say he plays fine in this game. And then you think, okay, cool. Like he, he, he could be back. And you throw him into the next game. And it flares up again. But this time he fully pulls it. Now you're not even just weakening your chances of winning the NBA championship this year. Now you're hurting the longevity of the player. You just traded for James Harden. I get that you want to win a championship this year. I wholeheartedly understand it. But is mortgaging James Harden's future really and truly worth an NBA championship for just this year? Which isn't guaranteed. Y'all could still bring Harden back and still maybe lose to the Bucks. It's a possibility. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a very sticky situation. Because now that Kyrie is hurt, and Kyrie is a high ankle sprain. And I know it says an ankle sprain. It's a high ankle sprain. I've had one of those injuries before where you land directly on your ankle. I was out for a month, and I know I'm not a pro athlete, but even if he's not out for a month, he's at least out two weeks, easily. He couldn't walk. You can't put pressure on that. It takes a while for those ligaments to gain strength back. So now that Kyrie's out and out of the picture, that changes Milwaukee's defensive scheme because now they can put Giannis on Kevin Durant. Now they can put Chris Middleton on James Harden. And now Drew Holiday doesn't have to play defense as hard. You can put him on Joe Harris, but now you can get some more offensive production from Drew Holiday. Because, yeah, we, we haven't really seen too much offensive production from Drew Holiday, but that's because he's had to guard one of the gifted players in this league, one of the gifted guards in this league. Drew Holiday only had 14 points last game. That's all he needed. Giannis had 34 but without Kyrie Irving in the game, we're now going to see Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday's production step up because now his legs aren't tired. Now he's he's running he's running on a full tank of gas. He's got the ball rolling. And it's going to be it, Kyrie's injury changes changes this whole series drastically. Just defensively, it, it opens more things up, and I know now. You know, Chris Middleton may have, you know, may not shoot as well. Chris Middleton's production may go down. And I, I mean, he's a guy who they need to really be who he is. But I think it's going to be on Bootenhoser to be real creative on, you know, getting him on switches and then getting him at, uh, open shots and, and freeing him up. And Giannis has to, has to be smart with the ball and has to be smart with a shot selection. 
Giannis, we know you're not a shooter. But take a page out of Ben Simmons' book. I know we all harp on Ben Simmons for not shooting. But one thing Ben said, uh, one thing I, I do like about Ben Simmons is that he likes to play, a, he doesn't like to play aggressive, but he likes to play efficient basketball. And Giannis needs to keep that in mind when he's hooping. And I'm not saying take away from his aggressiveness at all. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying be mindful of shots that you're taking. You shouldn't be taking five threes, my brother. I'm sorry. Bump that number down to like two, maybe three. And drive that ball, drive and kick. Get in the pick and roll, get in the ISO. I know they're crowding the paint, but at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. Get into the dirty areas in hockey terms and get your, get your work there. Get your rebounds. Get your putbacks. That's how Giannis can be effective in this game and in this series. This Bucks team also needs a little bit from, from their bench. Connaughton needs to step up a little bit. Forbes needs to step, step up a little bit. They don't really have a lot of bench with Dante DiVincenzo not in the game. But Bobby Porras is playing sadly on the defensive end. I know it's not showing up on the stat sheet, but defensively he's given, he's making the Brooklyn Nets work. And that's all you can ask for. He's making Blake Griffin work. That's all you can ask for. But I'd love to talk about this Kyrie Irving situation and him and his ankle and where Giannis was and where he should have been. Um, I'll let y'all, me and Yates are going to talk about this again when he's back on the pod because we had differing opinions on this, but Everybody's coming down on Giannis. It was a dirty play. Why were you down there? What's going on? Can everybody take a chill pill? No, seriously. Like, can we all just relax? Because why would Giannis not be down there? You acting like... Players in the league don't blow layups all the time. Don't blow dunks all the time. I don't give a damn if when Kyrie shot the ball, Giannis was outside of the paint. Okay. That's like saying if a guy shoots a three and I'm standing in front of him, I shouldn't run back into the paint just in case he misses it to try and grab the rebound. That's what you're saying. I get it. Kyrie's a special player. He rarely ever misses. He rarely ever misses layups. But it happens. So why are we judging a player for making, for making sure, just in case, a great player like Kyrie misses a layup or blows a layup, that he's not down there to grab the rebound and secure the rebound for his team? Y'all got to stop this. Y'all get so hyped up in these players and narratives and what you believe and what you think. It's real easy for you to say, well, he should have never been down there because the ball went in. But if Kyrie misses that layup, then what? Oh, oh, it's okay then. Because then Giannis would have had the rebound and 
then it would have made sense for him to be down there. But because Kyrie Irving made the floater layup, now is, oh, well, why was Giannis down there? He shouldn't have been down there. It's a dirty play. Why would he put his foot there? Kyrie had the wherewithal to move his foot when Drew Holiday was shooting. Why didn't Giannis? Does Kyrie do that every time? I'm, y'all found one. I'm great. Happy for you. Round of applause. Good job, guys. But does he do that every time? Has Giannis done it? Anybody go back and look and see if Giannis did it? Oh, y'all didn't want to do that. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't want to take the time to maybe try and see if he has done it. And oh, oh, so then you want to bring up the, the Porzingis thing where, where he was involved in that situation where Porzingis tears his ACL? Okay, okay. I get it. That makes sense. So you're saying this is like a reoccurring thing. Or maybe it's just something that happened because both were inadvertent. Both, both weren't a Zaza Pachulia situation where it's pretty clear he put his foot underneath the guy. Oh, no way. But then you also want to say that Giannis pushed off? Did he? Did he push off? Or did he lightly just put his arm on the Kyrie? Y'all want to get slow-mo videos? Y'all are video technicians now? Really? I didn't, I didn't know y'all, I didn't know y'all tapped into those, those types of things. I didn't know you guys were that versatile like that. Okay. Really? It's just y'all love to pick and choose. I know y'all love Kyrie. I know y'all do. And I know it looks bad now. The Nets are are, are injury-ridden and 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 it's looking a little dark for them. You know, it's looking like they may not go to where y'all all expected them to go. But that's the name of the game. Injuries. It's part of it. And at the end of the day, any of you people that are saying Giannis shouldn't have been where he should have been, y'all don't know hoops. Y'all can't know hoops. Because if you know hoops, you would know that there's every reason for him to be there. Every single reason. Y'all got to stop this. Y'all got to stop these narratives. Y'all got to stop this. I know y'all love Kyrie. I know. I know you do. It's understandable. He's a great player. But great players miss shots all the time. It happens. Great players miss shots right underneath the basket. Great players miss dunks. So for you to say that that Giannis shouldn't have been down there because it was obvious that that Kyrie was going to make the shot, that's just crazy. Because nothing's guaranteed. Because we assumed that this this series was over after the Nets took a 2-0 lead. We thought it was done bun. But anything can happen. We thought the Sixers series was done after they went up 2-1. They let the Hawks off the hook. Joel Embiid doesn't, doesn't score in the, la- in the second half. How many of you would put money that Joel Embiid wouldn't have scored 
in the second half. None of you, none of you would have taken that. It's the same thing. Most of us wouldn't have thought that Kyrie would have missed the shot or would have would, would have missed the shot. Granted, he made it. But it's not guaranteed, is, is my point. It's not guaranteed. We got to do better, guys. We got to do better. We got to do better. We got to do better. But tend to show. Yay segment. You already know how we carry it. Going back to the Suns Nuggets series. Shout out to the Suns for handling their business early and often. They back chilling. Suns in four. Shout out to that guy uh, who who, uh, beat up this guy who was trying to fight him. Shout out to him. Shout out to D-Book for shouting him out. That was tough. But I had a, I just had a gripe with that whole Jokic ejection for that Fallon campaign. That was the corniest shit I've seen, man. Like corny, like corny as hell. And y'all know how I feel about Jokic getting the MVP. That was corny. But the fact that Jokic got ejected for something like that, which, look, I'm not going to lie to you. It was a hard foul. It was, a, it was an egregious foul. But a flagrant too? What does the NBA come to? It was clearly a frustration foul. Clearly. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to lie to you. It was clearly a frustration foul. But the fact that he got ejected for that? Come on. In a closeout game? Come on. That ain't it. That ain't it. Let the boys play. What Coach Boone say? Let the boys play. This is the playoffs. Things are rougher. Fouls are harder. Buckets are harder to get. This is what happens. Obviously, you want to contain that. Obviously, you want to manage how physical it gets. You don't want it to get out of hand. You don't want a malice in the palace. But damn, can we let the boys play? Scratch that. Can we let the men play? Because they're grown. This isn't college. This is the NBA. This is the National Basketball Association. Can we let them play? Because you can't take the MVP out of a closeout game like that. That's no fun for anybody. I bet you the Suns feel a little bit slighted. It's like, ah, I mean, yeah, we close them out. That's great. Look, we go on to the next, but it's like, damn, it feels a little watered down. It feels like they didn't even really get a fair shake. They were already riddled with a major injury of, of losing Maul Murray. Because that series with Maul Murray and, and Jokic, it's different for sure, easily. They win at least one game. 
They might have won too because they might have won that last game if Jokic doesn't, doesn't get pulled, doesn't get yanked by the refs. It's a nasty, nasty ending for an MVP season for Nikolai Jokic. It's disgusting, man. We gotta, we gotta do better. We gotta do better. Hopefully, you know, my Sixers, by the next time we record a pod, my Sixers will have finished the series off. Hoping we go back on go back home on Wednesday, handle our business. Then on Friday, we handle our business in Atlanta like we should have, yes, last night. Um, but I guess that's just to be determined, man. Woo woo woo! Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this. One more day.